0: like the rest of you guys we have a bit of an idea of well not like the rest of you guys i should say because we just go off script on these bad boys but we have an idea of what went down on Sunday night, so we're going to break it all down. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Let's get into the hosts of the show. You know me, I'm Usaid Kosh. You'll Follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kosh. You'll Follow my co hosts, Sam Stevenson and Joseph Hurf at Chai Sports Sam and at Joseph Herf NFL um yeah it was an interesting week to say the least guys i think it was an interesting game because for us we pretty much knew how this game was gonna go but let's just go ahead and get right into this whole thing guys i mean the bears go on the road in la lose to the rams 34-14 and then it's just like every single thing that went wrong that we thought could go wrong pretty much went wrong. I mean, it was just a mess from top to bottom. The Bears were never really in a questionable play calling, questionable decision making, really questionable play by the defense and to the extent where there's actually people that are pinning this loss on a Khalil Mack led defense, which is a first for the Matt Nagy era. But guys, how are we doing today? What's going on? Let's get into this whole thing.
1: I mean, myself, I'm doing well. I, I think I went into Sunday no that the outcome wasn't going to be positive and then when the score was 13-7 and the Bears offense started rolling I was like oh we may actually be able to pull this out and then I of course had my heart ripped out as I pretty usually do but what else is new when you cover the Bears and watch the Bears but uh definitely excited to break it down a little bit um not in a positive way but in a constructive way I'll use with quotation marks
2: yeah I just wish uh Matt Nagy was listening to our podcast so we can give him a little few pointers on how to not only run an offense, but run a team as well. But, no, I kind of feel the same way. I'm I'm doing well personally. Um, I I mean, I expected the Bears game kind of to end that way. Uh, If you guys listened to last week's podcast, my prediction was 34-20, to so I was not too far off. I just, I guess, had higher expectations for the Bears to get a garbage-time touchdown that they did not get. So kind of what I expected in terms of the Rams being an elite offense with a very good defense defense. Not too upset about it, just everything I saw coming personally.
0: Yeah, I mean, and again, we're not going to do like an extensive recap of the game. If you want to do that, go check out our YouTube channel where myself and Max Smith kind of sit down and React to every single game on Mondays or Tuesdays, depending on when the Bears play here. We're just going to break down a couple storylines, a couple pointers for you guys, because the purpose of podcasts is to kind of tell stories sometimes. And by the way, school's back in session. The Bears season's here. Check out our friends and our sponsor over at Audacia Sports. Go get your Justin Fields stickers. But I mean, so... What it was was this, guys, is everyone kind of going into this game was like, oh, my God, the offensive line this, the offensive line that. I mean, outside of the quarterback situation, everybody was, like, blowing the O-line out of proportion and saying, like, it's such a big deal. But then it's like you realize a lot of that stuff is all overhype. It's all overreaction. People are getting worried about literally nothing because it is preseason. And while I did have my fair share of concerns with the offensive line, I mean, I have to say, hey, they neutralized Aaron Donald. The same interior offensive line opened up holes, massive holes for David Montgomery, and they held up pretty well in pass protection, allowing just three sacks.
1: I, I think, I know the PFF scores, I think, came out for uh, the offensive line, and I think Jermaine Ifedi had the best uh, PFF grade, um, which I don't think I would have said that if you could have t- asked me who I would predict have the best score, but... PFF grades aside, you can take those how you will. I don't think the offensive line looks terrible. I don't think it was elite. But, like, David Montgomery had over 100 rushing yards on Sunday night. I would like to say that a big factor in that was the production from the offensive line. Do I think our pass production could have been a little bit better? Absolutely. Um, of course, losing both Jason Peters and Larry Borum in the game had a big impact because then you have to throw Elijah Wilkinson in there a guy who has been slotted to be the backup right tackle and is now currently your left tackle. I think that had a bit of an impact. Um, We'll get more into the play calling side of things, but I think bringing in your third string left tackle and then running plays to him, the next play isn't exactly the wisest thing, but I don't know about you guys and Joe, I'll bounce it to you here, but I didn't think the offensive line looked terrible. Opportunities were created. I mean, David Montgomery is a good running back, but I'd like to think the offensive line had some say in that matter. 100%.
2: The run blocking was awesome, to say the least. That was probably one of the best run blocking showings we've seen out of the Bears in a long time outside of the few games last year where they had that string of 100 yards out of Dave Montgomery nearly every game to end the season. But they looked really good. I mean, you could see the continuity that they had coming from last year with Mustafa at center, Whitehair at guard. That right there, those two together are very solid. And then that big run that Montgomery broke off at the beginning was just an absolutely unbelievable block by James Daniels. He opened up a wide open hole for Montgomery to burst through. So he'd had a very good game as well. But the pass blocking, again, um, it was a little tougher. Just because we got rid of the ball so quick, it was hard to tell who did a good job of pass blocking and who didn't. Since Andy Dalton, every time he dropped back, he'd take a second to throw the ball. Um, Nobody really could generate pressure anyway. And then anytime he took any longer, there already was pressure in his face. So that's kind of why I think the pass blocking grades were low. But back to uh, the whole Jermaine Effetti, I mean, he did look very good. I wouldn't say he looked the best. Agreed. I thought Cody Whitehair looked the best personally. He kind of shut down Aaron Donald nearly all game in the run game and pass game. And then Jermaine Affetti, I mean, going back, I haven't looked at the film again but I didn't see any mistakes he made. I thought he played a clean game. He made really good run blocks. I mean, he had a large part as well in that big Montgomery run. So the offensive line, I was generally impressed. I'd like to see a little bit better from them when they go to throw the ball a little longer, take a little more time in the pocket. But again, we can't really see that until we play a team that doesn't have Aaron Donald.
0: I mean, I thought it was a solid... Showing for the offensive line, you look at a lot of these top quarterbacks around the league talking Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and yes, Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks in the game, even though the Packers got bounced 38 to 3. That was the Packers losing 38 to 3, not Aaron Rodgers. Getting back to the Bears here, I mean, this whole thing, Aaron, I'm sorry, Andy Dalton, I think, had the ball out in like 2.4 seconds. That was his according to next gen stats that are available on nfl.com which is really good because again what are we used to as bears fans i mean and as writers and analysts and podcasters everyone's kind of used to just these quarterbacks holding on to the ball forever having absolutely zero pocket presence and then taking a sack. and maybe this is one thing that everyone kind of is still complaining that Andy Dalton's starting, which I don't blame you. But then at the end of the day, when you look at it, you're like, okay, Hey, the fact that Andy's getting the ball out shows that he feels the pressure. He is a smart and instinctive quarterback. Now I may not agree with everything Andy Dalton does, but Hey, if he's able to get the ball out quickly, that means that there's a chance players like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet just do continue to benefit. And then speaking of David Montgomery, Hey, I understand Dalton threw the ball 37 times. The last two times I can recall a Bears quarterback throwing that much would be Mitch Trubisky in that week one game against Green Bay in 2019, where I believe he threw like the ball 46 times. Now, the reason I bring David Montgomery up is because you can't throw the ball with Andy Dalton 37 times in a game and expect to win. I would be totally okay with the Bears – changing up their offensive philosophy, even though I know it's not going to happen and giving David Montgomery more and more carries, because this is something that I've observed when it comes to David Montgomery over the last couple seasons is that the more you feed him. And every time the camera's on him, you can just tell with his attitude, with his demeanor, with his mindset that he actually wants to be fed more and he wants to help the team out. And he actually gets better and better and better as the game goes on. And then, Joe, you brought up that big run, which I believe was like the second or third play from scrimmage. Listen, that was a 41-yard run, and what was noticeable to me on that was David Montgomery was like two to three steps ahead of the defenders. Does he still lack the ability to be a true home run hitter, break off a big run like that and take it to the house? In some cases, yeah. But hey, he spent all offseason working on his speed, and I think you saw the noticeable improvement with just that run. Because after that, he did have runs for 14 yards and then two runs for 10 yards.
1: Yeah, I don't even think you can necessarily just put Dave Montgomery in that thing. I think Damian Williams looked pretty good in his limited reps, and I think a big part of that was the opportunities created by the offensive line, the interior offensive line in particular. Um, I mean, I think all three running backs look good in general. I mean, when Khalil Herbert starts the game off with like a 40 yard return on kickoff, you know, you're going to start at least with good field positioning. So that was obviously a a positive, but I mean, obviously you, you know, that Montgomery is going to continue to take big steps in an offense that should probably run through him. Even if Justin Fields ends up taking over the starting job, not because of your lack in confidence in quarterback, but kind of what you said, like. He is continuing to improve. Is he a perfect running back? No, but does he have a lot of talent and a lot of potential? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's safe to say that when Montgomery is running the way he does and when he's getting productive, the offense only benefits from it. I mean, I tweeted about it during the game, Matt Nagy continued to abandon the run in that game um, for the first half, at least. And I'm sitting there scratching my head. I'm like, whenever something goes well, he abandons it. Force teams to stop what you're doing well, and that includes when Dave Montgomery is rushing for over 100 yards and breaks out a 41, 42-yard run in the first series on offense. Stop Dave Montgomery, and then that'll allow whoever's playing quarterback to have more opportunities. But I mean, the Rams didn't really have a great answer to him, and I hope that that's the case in every single game this year.
2: Yeah, and when teams don't have an answer to him, it absolutely opens up play action, which I was really disappointed. I felt like I saw no play action. I don't know about you guys. Maybe I was not really paying good enough attention, but we had the run established, and we've been begging as fans for years. We need to establish the run and run play action off of it because that's like how teams with limit limitations at quarterback win games. They do well. Even teams with good quarterbacks, you see it with the Titans, with Ryan Tannehill, when they – we're playing very well outside of this past week one. When they were playing very well under Arthur Smith, he ran a ton of play action after they'd established run with Derrick Henry. You see in San Francisco, you see it multiple other teams that as soon as you establish run, you run play action off it. It creates so many opportunities to take shots downfield, which we also did not see a lot, which we'll get into the play calling eventually. But David Montgomery agreed. Yeah, he looked absolutely unbelievable. And I believe I saw a chart or a graph that, uh, of all the running backs of rushing yards over X ex- expected and EPA. So everybody else is kind of, you know, bunch in the middle and at the very top, right? Which means he was nearly perfect in rushing yards over X ex- expected, like pa- uh, pass rush. And then EPA per rush, he was the absolute top, right. And there was nobody even near him. He was just impossible to stop when running the ball. So why not just keep it going? Why abandon it? Like, like you were saying, Sam, like, I just don't get why we keep, running away from stuff that's working or killing drives with stupid things. I, just, yeah, I'm not going to go on a big tangent, but it just doesn't make any sense to me at all.
0: What well, I think ultimately what it comes down to is this, is that Matt Nagy is so fixated on running this pass first offense, this kind of Kansas city offense. Now what it comes down to is this is you can have the same concepts, the same scheme as The Kansas City Chiefs, you can absolutely run that. But the problem is you can't, you know, copy Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I mean, you can have players that are close to them. Like in this offense, Darnell Mooney is basically the Bears version of Tyreek Hill. Or a guy like a Cole Komet would be Travis Kelsey in this offense. So you can emulate it, but you can't necessarily copy it down to the point where it's the exact same thing because, To make it all come together, you would need Patrick Mahomes, which I mean, the Bears have Justin Fields, but it's not going to matter unless the Bears actually decide to play Justin Fields. But ultimately, like you look at that Kansas City offense, they very rarely use the running game and they've had some solid running backs there over the years. They very rarely use the running game to kind of set the pass up. They just call plays at will. All right. That's just how that offensive philosophy works. When you look at play action, it absolutely makes sense for the Bears because Towards the end of last season, what happened? The Bears started running more and more play action, and the offense was actually better with a mobile quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. And the reason that I bring Mitch up is because, look, you can love her, you can hate Mitch, but you can also argue that the Bears kind of did do a disservice to him by not running the schemes that he needed or that he absolutely thrived in because as soon as they made the switch back to Mitch Trubisky, as I look at my phone here, every single player, including David Montgomery, all of a sudden just became more efficient. And with a guy like Andy Dalton, hey, guess what? That makes sense because you're going to fake the run with David Montgomery. And then all of a sudden, you look downfield and a player like an Allen Robinson or a Darnell Mooney is open. But getting away from the offensive line and the running game here, I mean, I'm going to kick it to Joe here. Joe, Andy Dalton threw the ball 37 times. He had 28-29 completions. But the issue is that only one of those passes – traveled beyond 10 yards. That means that there were 28 other completions that were all behind the line of scrimmage behind the sticks. I think it's really bad when a guy like Marquise Goodwin is saying and implying, Hey, because we ran all these short routes, it really opened up the game for Jalen Ramsey. It made life easier on Jalen Ramsey was the play calling an issue to you in this game.
2: 100%. And it always is an issue, but I absolutely love that you brought up the Marquise Goodwin quote. Cause I was going to myself. If you didn't, Because it was very well put. The Rams were letting the Bears take that. They were saying, hey, you know what? Take this because we know as soon as you get into the red zone, you don't know how to score. And you're going to either make a mistake, you're going to do something stupid, and we're going to take advantage of it. So, example, Andy Dalton throws an interception in the end zone. Other example, Matt Nagy keeps calling timeouts and keeps doing trick plays that will not work. So, They were giving them all those until they just made a mistake. It reminded me a lot of the 2018 Bears and 2019 Bears defense that played that, you know, we'll give you those short underneath routes. But then as soon as you get into the red zone or make a mistake, we're going to pounce on it. We're going to create turnovers. We're going to get the ball back. So Nagy just fed right into it and he fell for it very easily. And because of that, we couldn't do anything. So I really enjoyed the, I mean, we moved the ball. Well, I will give them that. We did do a very good job of keeping a rhythm going until now you would kill it, but it was solid up until the red zone and it just kind of buying into it. Like I was saying, once you bite on what they're giving you, they're doing that for a reason. Like, I just don't get how we just fell right for it
0: yeah absolutely i totally agree and hey listen you know what we have one of our recurring guests on this show you guys know him on twitter his name's raul bennington he's a great follow for bears analysis and just other crazy stuff that tends to pop across your timeline that may or may not be appropriate sometimes but raul bennington's in the house you can follow him on twitter at black underscore 42 he's going to be on here in like two seconds because he's connecting to audio but sam i'm gonna bounce it over to you i mean what the hell happened with the play calling uh
1: same thing we've seen happen since 2018 i mean i know for sure that marquise goodwin is not the only player that feels the way uh that uh, he's feeling i think he's just been the only one that's been brave enough to say anything uh wrote a little piece on uh bear goggles part of fan site if you want to go check that out check me out on twitter anyway um I mean, it's just the same mistakes over and over again. And it's, and it's specific things that piss me off about it. And I don't mean to use that language, but fourth and 15, over 10 minutes left in the game. You're down two scores and you go for a play that doesn't even get to the sticks. You talk about this emphasis on speed on offense. You bring in guys like Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird, Rashad Perryman. You draft a fast quarterback and you attempt one pass over 15 yards in the red zone, that gets intercepted. You didn't even challenge Los Angeles' defense to Joe's point. I'm so glad you brought that up. People were talking about how, oh, you can't challenge a Rams defense because of how good it is. I mean, the Bears defense has players like Aaron Donald too. We have Khalil Mack, we have Roquan Smith, we have Akeem Hicks, like, and, and Matthew Stafford was just fine challenging them. Now, I listen, I know our secondary isn't as good, but In theory, those guys should still be able to get after Stafford, and Stafford found a way to make big plays. Bears offense couldn't do that because Matt Nagy didn't even give them the opportunity to. And the thing that made me the most upset, and I'm not going to get too heated about it because my thoughts are about it on Twitter, why are we using Justin Fields as a gimmick player? What worse way to stunt the development and stunt the rhythm with the starting offense than to play your rookie quarterback but only in select situations that save his touchdown run, Andy Dalton could have done. You're not tricking anybody by doing that. Nothing that Fields did on Sunday night, save the touchdown run because of his pure athleticism, could Dalton not do. And that kind of stuff is the reason why I continue to think that Matt Nagy is a horrendous play caller. He always has been, and he's starting to continue and continue to be exposed for it. And I don't need to watch an entire season to know and his play calling sucks. It's plain and simple. His play calling sucks.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll you, add one. Oh, you go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, look, I'm going to add this on. Hopefully, Raul gets on in a couple of minutes here. But I'm going to say this, right? The play calling is just too predictable from every single standpoint. It's just like Jimmy Ram, what, played 14 snaps. As soon as I saw Jalen Ramsey lined up on Jimmy Ram at the bottom of the screen, I'm like, hey, this is the exact same concept that I've seen being run – two points in 2020 and the reality of the situation was that you know that every single time that that play is being run, that it's going to go to Jimmy Graham 110% of the time. And it's like, the offense is just too predictable. Cause it's like I said, I can look at the schemes. I can look at the players. i be like, Hey, this player is going to get the um, the ball, but go ahead, Joe.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to kind of touch on one more thing to the people on Twitter and just in general saying that take you did that the Rams were taking away the deep shots. You couldn't do that. The reason why you send people deep, even if they're covering it perfectly is because they're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. That's for one. They're going to make a mistake. Something's going to open up and there's going to be a wide open shot. You saw it last year when Darnell Mooney absolutely smoked Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the NFL. And even he makes mistakes. Number two, When you take those deep shots and you send a wide receiver streaking down the field, it creates openings in the zone. Whoever's covering that zone has to carry that wide receiver until the next zone takes it. So that creates more space for somebody to catch a ball and get into more open space. That's why every time we saw somebody catch a short curl route, there was four defenders on top of them because as soon as we threw it, All those defenders weren't – they were all up. They were all brought up because nobody went deep. So anytime somebody caught the ball, they were swarmed instantly. We saw it on screen plays. We saw it on those short curl routes. We saw it on those quick slants. Every single play that we ran, that was a short pass. There was almost no yards after catch because nothing was being opened up by the offense.
1: But, guys, guys, the offense grew that night. This was a a learning curve. They grew.
2: 100%.
1: What is that response? Your offense has been growing – Since 2018, it's clearly a dead seed because it hasn't grown anywhere. You haven't done anything on offense. Even your 2018 offense wasn't that good. You didn't learn anything. The only thing that we learned is that your offense stinks, and it's because of you as a play caller. There is talent on the offense. There's talent on the offense last year. There's talent on the offense two years ago. Yes, it's not the best offense in the league. It, I I understand that.
0: All right. So, Raul finally decided to connect, man. But we're talking about the play calling. Uh, give us your thoughts on basically the play calling, the entire offensive performance, boss.
3: Uh, the play calling was was, tra- was trash. Um, wow. We're playing from – we're playing – he's calling plays based off of what the defense is doing. So, he's letting the defense dictate what he does instead of the offense dictating what the defense does. And he's playing scared. Like everything is shallow. Every and this is the. It's not just one game. This is what we've been seeing with all of the quarterbacks from Trubisky to Foles to uh, Dalton. Is everything is shallow. It's just curls, hooks, and slants. That's it. There's nothing past ten yards. There's nothing that makes the defense, you know, actually have to have to get out of their their, their shell. So defenses just pack it. To pack it in with you know nickel and dime looks, and you know just dare you to run. And we were running the ball pretty pretty well, but then again we don't use play action. It's just all confused. It's just it's just bad. It's just bad football, and we keep seeing the same bad football, and we're expecting something to change, and it's just not. This is why we score like fourteen points a game, and we think that's like enough. Like we ju- it's just it- this is elementary school ball. We don't do anything that modern-day football does. Uh, David Montgomery, you know, is ripping them off. He has 57 yards on three carries going into the middle of the second quarter, and you don't run him. Like, he has 16 carries the entire game. It doesn't make sense. Like, there's nothing about schematically what Nagy's doing that makes sense. He just wants to be smarter than everybody else. It's just, it's stupid. Everything is just shallow and short and... And, and, and he's trying. He's trying to use the quick game to compensate for the old line. But after a while, you have to let the the guys play. It's it's all just dumb. Like it's I'm tired of it. Like literally, it's like I'm not saying you know I know football more than other people, but if you know football, you know from one's perspective, defensively or offensively or both, this gets frustrating because you're just seeing this this stupidity go on over and over again.
0: Yeah, and the worst part about the stupidity going on is I bounce it over here to Sam and then Joe, and then we'll go back to you, Raul. It's just that it's like there are legitimately people who are looking at this and saying, oh, well, Dalton hit a five-yard throw here. He hit a five-yard throw there, a six, seven, eight-yard completion here. There's legitimately people who are thinking that this is any sort of offensive progress. And it's just like, okay, cool. The guy got a couple completions, but when you have eight total possessions, six of them in opponent territory, you have the ball for about 35, 36 minutes, but you only come away with 14 points. Like that's just really bad coaching. It's bad execution. It's just bad all around. Because it just shows that, like, was there progress really made? No. Are Bears fans sometimes being overly nitpicky? Probably, yeah. But it's just, like, bad all
3: around. Yeah, we're – go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, it's just there, there is no progress without, you know, actual actual production. Like, we haven't seen it. there. It's not there. We are in, what, year three of this offense? We haven't seen it. The last time we saw it was what? Uh, maybe the Dolphins game the first year. But there's nothing, there's nothing there for you to even hang your hat, hat on. A quarterback cannot average 4.5 yards an attempt and it'd be anything else but abysmal. You yank that person out and mean, 4.5 yards means you're not even threatening the defense. It, it, there, there's nothing there. Like it's 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 as bad as it gets.
1: I, I we were talking about it. uh We had a quick break. Joe and I were talking about it. Like there's there's clear moments where like even if you're not a football expert, you know not to do something, and Nagy does it. Perfect examples when the Bears lose both their starting left tackles in the game. They lost Peters and Borum. They bring in Elijah Wilkinson, who we mentioned didn't play terribly. And the first play that you run is a run to his side, the short side of the field for a loss. Like it's moments like that, that boggles me. And uh, a rant was said earlier that had been cut because of audio issues. So you guys are glad you didn't hear the angry side of me. I'm more calm now, but it's stuff like that, where I don't say either that I'm a football expert and that I can call plays for the bears. I definitely couldn't, but even I can recognize that the simplicity and stupidity of stuff like that never has worked and never will. Like he tries to either overthink and tries to be the smartest person out there. And it ends up being the complete opposite where teams run circles around him. We saw Mm -hmm. it in the Bills preseason game. Brian DeBull ran circles around Matt Nagy with Mitch Trubisky at the helm of the Bills offense. And it has continued to be like that since Maggie, Matt Nagy took over in 2018, better offensive calling teams have run circles around him and will continue to do so until he realizes that the the creativity and all of that, it doesn't work when you don't have a Kansas city led offense. And even then it doesn't always work. I'm going to bounce it back yeah. to you Joe, because if I, if I continue on the rants again, you're going to lose me.
2: <laughs> no, that, that's exactly how I am too. Cause I could go on forever, but I do like the, the one thing I will give he likes doing it. I like that when he does those short passes only when, is to establish a rhythm to get a quarterback warmed up. But once that quarterback's warmed up, that's when you start throwing the ball a little bit downfield. And Nagy never makes that like transition. Like he just keeps throwing short and thinking it's going to work. Cause like Raul was saying, it's playing scared. It's taking what the defense gives you. And and I already kind of talked about it a little bit where you got to stretch the field regardless because it creates more openings. But like Sam was saying too, like it's just the things he does is like such common sense to people. Like we see a play and we're like this isn't going to work. It doesn't work. Like Sam brought up another one too, while he went on a rant off, uh, off the recording. But when we ran a screenplay to Darnell Mooney and Demir bird was the lead blocker, how are you yeah. going to have your second smallest wide receiver lead block for a screenplay? And I get it. We have a lot of smaller wide receivers, but how are you going to have your small wide receivers lead block? Like put a tight end out there, like do something else. Like it's just common sense. It is common football that I just don't get how, like Sam was saying, he's trying to overthink and outsmart everybody. All, like, they're not going to see this come and watch. I'm not, they wouldn't think I'm going to use a small guy as a lead blocker. Watch, I'll do it. And then they stop it anyway. Like it's, I just Again, I'm going to stop myself because I'm going to go on a long rant. But, I said, yeah,
3: just he's in over his head. And to, to your point about that play, you know, Jalen Ramsey snuffed that out immediately. He just came in there and disrupted it. By, you know, jamming to bird. So he knew it based off of your personnel and based off of your alignment. And it's like, if he knows it, why don't you run something off of it? Right. When you when you line up in that bunch, you know, uh, 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 to the right. Why don't you run a slant or, you know, or or a dig with with uh, Allen Robinson? Because everybody's expecting that jail jailbreak screen. Do something else, you know, fake that jailbreak and run something off of it. Like, why is it the same? We've seen that play over and over and over again. It's like, you, it's like, you know, it's coming. Matt Nagy still is going to run it. It just doesn't work. It's just, I'm I'm tired of it. This is almost like Mark Trestman level of ineptness. It's just stupid. Yeah.
0: I mean, and you know, I said this earlier, I'm going to say it again. It's just like one, the play call is too predictable, but number two, it's just like this players are not being utilized to their full strength. To Joel's point about how like you have to take what the defense gives you. Yeah. It's totally fine. That early parts in the game, but then at the end of the day, you got to realize like the best offenses in this league and this isn't just exclusive to the bears. It's just the best offenses take like Kansas city, for example, you could even throw the saints in there who some way somehow put up 38 points, you know, with your boy Jameis Winston, Joe, you look at it overall. I mean, the best offenses are the ones that are consistently able to have explosive plays and then not necessarily miss a beat. And it's just like in this offense, it's like Matt Nagy wants to run the explosive plays. He wants to have an explosive offense. The problem is he's not putting the players in a position to do so. And, you know, regarding Jalen Ramsey snuffing things out, it's just like, when your offense is that damn predictable, it seriously means that, like, something's seriously wrong, and you just have not even identified yourself that the offense is so predictable. That you're not willing to adapt or make like any sort of adjustments, which just means that over time, people are going to catch on to it. Like, if your offense in an offensive driven league, in a pass happy league, if your offense isn't keeping defensive coordinators and defensive players second guessing and on its toes, then you probably are not running a modern day scheme or a scheme that's just going to like a scheme or a system that's going to scare anyone.
3: Yeah. I, it's, it's all bad. Like, I'm, I'm tired of it. Like, I, we really have to watch another seven, uh, 16 weeks of this crap and probably another 16 weeks next year of this crap. It's just, it's just bad, and I'm tired of just seeing bad football in Chicago. And, and there are weapons
1: on this offense. Like, David Montgomery, he's a good running back. He's not the best running back in the league. He's a good running back. And, like, there are guys like Darnell Mooney and like Allen Robinson who are weapons and like, no, the bears don't have the best wide receiver core. And yes, like the bears aren't the best offense in the league, but the biggest factor into that is how the offense is called the The bears. When they ran what they ran with bill laser last year, granted, it was against bottom tier defenses. They still averaged like 30 points a game. You still got to score points against bad defenses. They put up almost 50 against the Texans. Like regardless of whatever you think about the Texans last year, you still put up 46 points in that game. There are opportunities for this offense to do well, and they don't have to like average over 30 points a game. But like, when was the last time a bears offense averaged 25 in a season? Like in that, that's, that's an average offense in the NFL, maybe averaging 25 points a game. Like this is an offensive heavy league. And and Ultimately, like the Bears have relied on their defense for too long. And that sucks because I want to watch an offense that can be good. And I think Justin Fields can do that, but not with this play calling and not with the schemes and not with just, I don't want to call it, but it is not with the stupidity. That's the best way to say it.
2: Yeah. And to your point of how good these weapons are, I think this offense would be like a great offense with a good coach and a good system. Like if you put David Montgomery into the San Francisco 49ers offense, that dude's running for at least 1300 yards. Easy. If he's the workhorse back and you put a guy like Allen Robinson into an offense, like the Kansas city chiefs, if he's the main guy there, he's easily top five in the NFL in touchdowns, receptions yards. And he's consistent doing it. Like, yeah. Okay. Robinson was up there this this past year in yards, but that's because he had so many targets and he didn't get a whole lot of touchdowns. He's considered a top five wide receiver in the NFL if he's in a better system. Darnell Mooney does even better if he's in a better system. Just the fact that, like you were saying, we have very good weapons. We have a pretty pretty solid wide receiver core. Like and Simba Webster is not a, a, like a star, but outside of him, we have. Brashad Perryman is very good depth. He was a starter last year. Damir Bird was a starter last year. And they're both backups on this team. Like, that is some good depth of wide receiver. We have four very solid receiving tight ends. We have three very solid running backs. Like we I just don't get how we can't generate more than 14 points in a game. Regardless, it's just pathetic.
0: It really is pathetic. And listen, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball because that was certainly pathetic, too. I mean, everyone kind of expected Sean Desai's defense to be more aggressive. You look at some of the play calls that Desai made. I didn't think they were overly terrible. I just think that there was a lot of a lack of execution as well as miscommunication. I mean, everyone's talking about the two safeties to Sean Gibson, Eddie Jackson. Look. These guys need to learn how to tackle. But Bears fans get so tuned in to what's going on with their own team that they also don't realize that tackling is an issue the first month, month and a half of the season just across the league because of lack of practice time. But then again, when you do have two vets that have been in the league as long as a guy like Tashawn Gibson and Eddie Jackson, who's now in year five, have been, tackling should be something that's just a sound fundamental thing. But Raul, I'm going to bounce it over to you, man. I mean, what, what were wrong with this defense on... Sunday night, because there's no answers. I think I think there's a lot.
3: I think familiarity and communication was the biggest factors. I don't think that uh, these these, play, these players know uh, each other well enough. Like like, uh, and I pointed out on Twitter, Prince of Mukumara and Fuller were in sync with uh, with uh, with uh, Amos and with uh, Eddie Jackson. So it's like it, it, when you're playing a corner, the cornerback, if you know if you know uh, a safety's level, you know what a safety's good at. You know you kind of you kind of know how he plays. Like if I, you know if they line up if they line up on the um, uh, on my side, right? And they line up, you know, closer to the um, to the sidelines, right? And I take the, and I take the inside shade, right? My safety should be able to see I'm taking the inside shade, which means that I'm trying to cut off anything inside. Right. And, and he has everything over the top. He should be able to play off of me. He should he should be able to know exactly what I'm thinking and what I'm and how I'm going to react or what, which routes I'm expecting without me having to say anything to him. Right. And it's like there's no familiarity with it. And it's like Christian was lost. He was just lost. It was, he was just out there in coverage, lost like that played to Cooper Cup. That was a cover, I believe that was a cover six. He was supposed to be the, you know, in the deep thirds. He had no idea. It's just like the communication was poor and you have to have that communication and that familiarity, but and it's just, oh, it's depressing, man. but go ahead.
1: I just put for this, all good things must come to an end um, because you think about how good the Bears defense was in 2018 and like even in 2019 and 2020, still pretty solid, but you could tell that the decline was starting. The bears are the uh, defense is the eighth most expensive in the league. And they let up 34 points on Sunday. There's plenty of things that you can point fingers at. I think Roe brought a lot of great points with the secondary and communication. And I think there are some bright spots. Like I think our defensive line looked okay. I think getting Eddie Goldman back soon and Mario Edwards after this weekend will be good because those are two players that are going to contribute. I think Jalen Johnson looked solid. I mean, they didn't throw to him a lot. And there's a reason for that because I think he, his coverage was good. And the opportunities that Stafford tried to get, he, he looked good. Um, But you can't defend the defense forever because ultimately the defense has kept you in games the past three seasons. Like everyone talks about how Matt Nagy has had three technically winning seasons in the NFL. How much of that is because of defense. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't want to start pointing fingers at guys like Sean Desai because this was his debut as a defensive coordinator. And, It's week one, so you don't want to overreact too much. But at some point, if the defense continues to struggle a little bit, you kind of have to start looking at the higher up. And there are ultimately weapons on this defense that can make plays that didn't. I think the Rams schemed well against the defense. Uh, You know, they prevented guys like Khalil Mack from being productive. It's definitely frustrating. Um, Again, it's week one. I can say the same thing about the offense. I think the difference is that we've seen four years of Matt Nagy play calling. We've only seen one game of this new defense under Sean Desai. So I I think that the defense is going to continue to decline just because of age and you can't have a good thing forever.
2: I'll be honest. I'm a little more optimistic on this defense than anybody just because the Rams offense, I, like I've said, I think they're the second best in the NFL behind the Kansas city chiefs. It's, It's hard to stop them. I mean, every You can play a great defense all you want, but when you have an offense that is impossible to stop through the air, they're going to find um, leaks in your defense. And Matthew Stafford's going to do that. He's a veteran quarterback. He knows what he's doing. He'd, he's going to be a top-five quarterback possibly this year under Sean McVay. So I'm not too worried. I kind of expected that. The only huge issue to me, I mean, I thought Kendall Vildor played well. Um, I think PFF had him as the highest-rated player on our defense, or maybe it was our secondary in that game. I know he was above Jalen Johnson for sure. So him and Jalen Johnson both played solid. I thought they played good. Marky Christian, though, is not it. I mean, he obviously is supposed to be a backup, and he is a good backup because he can play safety. He can play slot corner as well. He has versatility there and value, and he's a good special teamer, but he should not be starting a slot corner. So I'm glad the Bears brought in DJ Hayden for a workout because I do believe he's a good slot corner outside of his atrocious 2020 season for who wasn't bad on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm not fully worried on this defense yet. I was the first game under Sean Desai. There was going to be mistakes. I kind of expected that. Um, again, the D-line looked solid, stopping the run outside of at the end of the game. Uh, Henderson broke a few runs off for a solid gain, and that was expected. The defense kind of gave up. So I'm not fully 100% worried, but it was definitely a cause for concern.
3: I mean... Can I, can I add one thing real quick? Yeah, yeah Go ahead. Ru- Robert Quinn is is one of the worst players out there. He doesn't even care. He's bad. He is a, a detriment, a true detriment to the to the entire defense. He's yeah, and and people just give him an excuse because they see like at the end of the play, like he sometimes is chasing after the QB. So then they think he did what he did. He did the right thing. No, he leaves so many leaks in the defense that other people have to compensate. I can't even explain to you how bad Robert Quinn is. And he's one of the cats like, if I'm a GM he, or, or the coach, the guy's inactive the next, the next uh, game. I'm not playing him. There's no way I'm playing him because he's more of a detriment to the, to the defense while he's out there than anything else.
0: Yeah, he just, like, so the handful of plays that I actually watch Robert Quinn, because I was just like, okay, the Bears pass rush, at least from the outside linebackers, is like Khalil Mack, Travis Gibson, Jeremiah Otachu, that's about it, but it's just like, the handful of times that you actually keep an eye on Robert Quinn, the dude plays with, like, no gap integrity at all. It's just like, there's absolutely zero reason for him to be out there, because he just looks so clueless and so lost, and it's almost like... It's just like this, right? It's like you're asking a rookie to get a rookie undrafted guy to like get out there, a guy that's never played football and just be like, hey, all I need you to do is get after the guy that has the ball. But like Robert Quinn can't even do that correctly. And then you add in the fact that last season showed that, yeah, he may have been a pure pass rusher in a 4-3 scheme as a defensive end, but all he is, is just a major liability in the running game. And it's just like, you can't use him in the run game. He's too old to effectively rush the passer. So it's just like, what's his role on this team. It's nothing more than being just like a washed up veteran. And I'll say this regarding the entire, like secondary. All right. They, The whole thing needs, you need Jackson and Gibson to really step up because those are your two veteran leaders, okay? I mean, and then, you know, the young cornerbacks, like, we everyone kind of knew this was going to be an issue. If you look at Kyle Fuller over the last couple of years, he's really the guy that kept that entire unit together, not only the secondary, at least, with his coverage ability, with his ability to just make open field tackles with ease, his ability to be physical sometimes and impose his will on, like, wide receivers. Like Kyle Fuller's the guy that basically kept this secondary intact. And so it's just like not a coincidence that he's not here anymore with the bears. And now like everything's just completely going out the window, which also side note, you want to talk about a player that ball that isn't getting enough credit. I thought Jalen Johnson played a really good game.
1: Yes. He was probably one of the best defensive players in the game on Sunday. And like, he didn't do anything big or important or flashy. He didn't have any interceptions or whatever. He doesn't have to do that. Teams shouldn't want to throw to Jalen Johnson. Like, you're hoping that he takes that next step because you basically went to him and said, Hey, we cut Kyle Fuller. You're the guy now. And when he was playing, his coverage was good. He had a huge pass breakup that, like, totally ended a Rams drive. Like, Jalen Johnson looked great, and our safeties didn't. Tayshawn, like, the Van Jefferson touchdown in the beginning of the game, inexcusable. I mean, I've seen high school players perform better in that kind of situation. Like, uh, did they freeze? Did they forget how to play football? Like, that that play alone made me realize that we might be in trouble. But I think Jalen Johnson looked great.
0: Yeah, Johnson did look pretty solid, but hey, throw the Rams game out the window because, again, Matt Nagy's got this 24-hours rule where you watch the game, you reflect for 24 hours, you throw it out the window, and then you move on to the very next week. The Bears' home opener's coming up. They're going to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals. The last time the Bengals were here, Jay Cutler in Soldier Field, Jay Cutler actually led a fourth quarter comeback. It was also consequently week two of the season. So, and Andy Dalton was the Bengals starting quarterback. So a lot of similarities, but also a couple of differences about seven or eight years later. But hey, Joe, I'm going to go over to you, right? Because my, myself and Max Smith, we're going to be previewing the Bengals game Thursday on our YouTube channel, dropping it Friday. Real quick, give me one player you're watching against the Bengals.
2: Honestly, I'm excited, first of all, to watch Joe Burrow. I'll just say that. It'll be nice to see him. I haven't really got to see him play much. So it'll be fun to see him play against the Bears. Um, I'm looking at Dave Montgomery again, though. I I really want to see him um, take that next step after that game and play well again, just like the game against the Rams. I want to see him kind of carry this offense again, basically, and kind of open up lanes. I just want to see what Nagy does off of that. So I'm looking at Montgomery to kind of carry this offense again.
1: Uh, I'm going to go the opposite side of the ball. Um, I do agree with Joe though. I I am excited to see if, you know, Joe Burrow can take a next step because you know, what happened to him last year was unfortunate. And I think he, if he plays a full season might beat out Justin Herbert for rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. That's just my opinion. Um, but, uh, give me clue Mac opposite side of the ball. Um, I think that while clue Mac is not to blame for the game on Sunday, Um, I definitely think that you're hoping your star edge rusher can at least hurry the quarterback or get involved. And again, the Rams schemed well against him. And I actually honestly think the bears kind of schemed well against Aaron Donald. So I'm not throwing a lot of blame at Clemack, but Bengals offensive line isn't that good. And I don't see really a huge excuse for him to not at least get a sack or hurry up the quarterback. I'm not expecting a Chandler Jones kind of game like last Sunday, because Holy smokes, that was unbelievable, the performance that he had. Uh, That Cardinals team is looking better and better on paper uh, as each passing week comes. But I don't know. I feel like as a guy who has been a key part of this defense since he was traded here, you're kind of hoping that he has big games against a poor offensive line. And if he can rush Joe Burrow and he can force him to make plays and he can sack him once or twice... Bengals are going to have to scheme better against him and that'll open up opportunities for other guys. So I'm going to keep my eyes on Um, because I think he'll bounce back this week.
0: Yeah, I'm going to stick with defense here. Last week I talked about Eddie Jackson as the player to watch this week. I'm going to go ahead and talk about Jalen Johnson because when you look at Jalen Johnson, ultimately, I mean, who is he going to be tasked with covering? He's going to be tasked with covering Jamar Chase, who, by the way, absolutely lit up Patrick Peterson on what was just a filthy, filthy route that was being run week one against the Minnesota Vikings. But give me Jalen Johnson. I mean, I said this during preseason. I'm going bring it back again. His coverage ability, his attitude, his swagger, his demeanor, you're clearly seeing a more confident quarterback in year two. Now I think the question is this, is, hey, can Jalen Johnson once again prove – or prove that he's able to lock down a number one wide receiver like Jamar Chase. And then on the other side of it, I mean, I think everyone kind of forgets because we're talking about cornerbacks and wide receivers here. Don't underestimate the Cincinnati Bengals team. Don't underestimate this team because they have Joe Burrow, obviously. They have Joe Mixon, too. Their offensive line, okay, is really questionable. But then also you look at it. They have a really good trio of wide receivers. I mean, I said Jamar Chase. Don't forget T. Higgins, who's a— 2019 or 2020 second round pick but the Bengals have a couple high investments high draft pick investments into the wide receiver room then you add in the wide receiver tyler Boyd, who has really become a staple of that cincinnati offense over the last couple years in the slot so this cincinnati offense i think is another good test is it the caliber of the rams absolutely not because joe burrow is not the caliber of a player that Matthew stafford is not saying he can't develop into it but he's not there right now but hey This is still a really solid Cincinnati team. Speaking of a solid Cincinnati team and keys to the game, Sam, give me one key to the game against Cincinnati this week.
1: Stop their wide receiver core. Cincinnati's got a good wide receiver core. We saw that in week one. They had two guys get over 100 receiving yards, and Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd is still pretty good. The Bengals got some weapons on offense, and ultimately I think the Bears' pass rush is going to be good. Um, better than last week. I think they're going to get after the quarterback. It is going to ultimately come down to the secondary to slow down those wide receivers. Um, Because if you don't, and you let guys like Jamar Chase burn a guy like Patrick Peterson, but in week two against the Bears, against like a Kendall Vildor, or even a Jalen Johnson, you're in a whole lot of trouble because Joe Burrow is going to look like a king. He's going to be able to make plays, you know, toss the ball up when the rush comes in. He's going to get it to an open receiver if you can't keep those guys contained. I'm not saying play a perfect game. I'm not saying lock them down for all 48 minutes of the game, or whatever it is, but you have to be able to contain those wide receivers long enough for your pass rush to get back there and to stop their offense. Because I think the bears are going to stop the run game. I ultimately I think they do, but if Joe Burrow has enough time and I'm not even saying time, if Joe Burrow is able to get to his receivers, those guys are playmakers. It is a good receiving court. They have Bengals. I'm not saying it's perfect but it's a good receiving core. I think Jamar Chase is going to be a good, I you know, I think he's going to be one of the better rookie wide receivers this year. T Higgins, I think is a guy people forgot about. Like if you can't stop those guys, the Bengals are going to throw all over us this week. Same thing like they did last weekend with the uh, Rams.
2: Yeah. So that I was actually going to bring that up, but another good key to this game really will be honestly just finishing drives. Like we saw the bears moving the ball pretty well on Sunday or on yes yeah, Sunday night. I will give them that they did move the ball. Well, we only punted once, as crazy as that sounds. We only scored 14 points and only punted once. Um, that's because we had a few failed fourth drive or uh, fourth down attempts. Over oh, three and so, fourth down, by the way. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that's no surprise. But um, so it'll just be finishing drives. Like we get like I was saying earlier, we get into the red zone, we don't know what to do. Um, we get to those fourth down and short situations, don't know what to do. Fourth and 15. Matt Nagy doesn't have a play that can go past 15 yards. So we honestly just need to. Put points on the board on our drives. Like, as, as simple as that point is, that's honestly all we need to do. And we have a halfway decent offense. Like, take your shots, move the ball down the field, and finish. Get some field goals. We didn't even attempt a field goal, I believe, in the game. So we didn't even put points on the board. Like, I, I guess I know the fourth and 15 should have been a field goal attempt, and you can make the case to go for it. But we need to put more points on the board. I, I'm just disappointed with 14 points.
0: Yeah, what has happened is this and Mike keated and Joe you're 110% correct. I mean, hey, despite going over three on fourth down conversions and playing some really questionable situational football, the fact that the Bears only punted once is interesting, Sam. I also totally agree with you. I mean, what are you going to do to step up and stop this wide receiver core, especially the Bears secondary. Listen, my key to the game is this, and we kind of saw flashes of this last week. Khalil Herbert gets that 50-yard return. A couple plays later, David Montgomery busts off that 41-yard run. Look, let me put it this way. Let me give it to you guys like this. The key to the game for me is going to be getting out in front, okay? Starting off fast, marching down the field on your first possession, and just scoring that touchdown. You need to be able to get into the – end zone here and score seven points, all right, including the field goal. Bears have to understand that field goals simply are not going to get it done in today's NFL. That's just the reality. The Bears need to go ahead and they need to start off fast. They need to kind of take advantage of what isn't necessarily an elite Cincinnati defense, but it's not in the worst, the worst either because they still have some really good playmakers like a Jesse Bates, like Trey Waynes is there too, um, as well as Trey Hendricks in the edge rusher. So this is a pretty decent Cincinnati defense that is playing up really fired up. And they feel like after that resilient win against the Minnesota Vikings, Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, the entire Bengals team, they feel like they can come in and knock off anyone. But ultimately for the Bears, I mean, you need to start off fast. And then I also think that this right here is the perfect game for the Bears to kind of play a team that's on the rise, but is also evenly matched and is able to go ahead and basically improve say, hey, we present you with the perfect matchup. This is essentially what I'm saying is this, because I'm kind of mincing my words here. This is the matchup that the Bears need to get their legs back underneath them. The matchup that you're going to look at and say, hey, you know what? If things started clicking here, it all started with this Cincinnati game.
1: I mean, listen, I don't think the Bengals are the same team as the Rams, but it is definitely a game where the Bears can't overlook it. They're only like three and a half favorites in this game, uh, point favorites. This is a game that the Bears can lose. And if they don't come out and play better football than what they played last week, they will lose. And if you start the season 0-2 and heading over to Cleveland for week three, that is, a, that is a tough, tough three-game slate because the Bears' schedule only gets harder from there. So a game like the Bengals is a game that you're hoping you can win, start the season 1-1. and That's a morale boost heading into week three against the Cleveland offense. That is very, very good. It went toe-to-toe with Kansas City last week. So this is kind of a – it's like the the minion before the boss battle. Like you have to beat this Bengals offense to prepare for the Browns offense because the Browns offense is on a whole other level. And if you can't contain this Bengals offense, there's no way you're stopping the Browns.
2: 100%. And it goes to the same side on the other side of the ball with – uh defense because the Bengals defense is solid, but the Browns have a slightly better defense. So you definitely, it is like you're saying, I like that. I like that uh, metaphor of it's a, it's a minion before the boss battle, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot that need to go right in this game and maybe we'll see an Andy Dalton revenge game, but we this really is kind of, I feel like it's Andy Dalton's honestly, his last shot to prove he can start the majority of the season in all honesty.
0: See, I do think it's going to be an Andy Dalton revenge game just because I think that this game, one of the key, Positional matchups or just the key matchup is going to be this Bears front seven against the Bengals offensive line, which I legitimately think this is going to be the game where the Bears, like I said a moment ago, they get their legs back underneath them. I'm going to go ahead and throw out a quick score prediction here. I'm going to say the Bears are going to be winning 24-20 in this one. Cincinnati is going to be a tough, gritty team. They're going to keep it close, but I also think that the Bears have slightly a more experienced roster. And so it's not as young as Cincinnati, but the Bears are more experienced. And so ultimately that experience is going to make the difference. And I do think that we're going to see a bit more of Justin Fields in this game, even though it's going to be in a Taysom Hill-esque role compared to just the five or six snaps we saw last week. Go ahead, Sam Sam. Stop
1: playing Justin Fields like Taysom Hill, Matt Nagy, if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you're filming another McDonald's ad, knock it off. That is the kindest way I can put it. Anyway, um, enough of that. I think score prediction for this game, uh, give me Bears 24, Bengals 20. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I do think the Bears offense is going to play better. Uh, I think ultimately it's going to be led by David Montgomery um i think dalton's gonna play a little bit better against his former team a little bit of a revenge game so i, I like the fact that in um Bengals offense is gonna get involved though but i think ultimately i think the bears are gonna play well enough that they can squeak out with a win here um it's gonna be a close game i think it's gonna kind of be like the 2019 broncos game where we kind of just barely get past it um give me bears 24 Broncos or excuse me broncos Bengals 20
2: i am gonna be less optimistic on the offense. And I'm going to say it'll be a 20 to 17 win. So at least it's a resounding W from all of us. But um, I do think that we will have a better chance of shutting down this offense than we did the Rams. And I just, again, I don't have much faith in, faith in this offense, but their defense is worse than the Rams. So I think we could put a few more points.
0: Yeah. So we're all going to agree here. We went three and all last week predicting the Rams would win. I think we're going to go 3-0 and this week, hoping that the Bears would win. But hey, listen, guys, before we get out of here, we're going to introduce a new show on our weekly segments called herf's Hot Takes, where Joe's going to have an incredibly steaming hot take for us. And then what we're going to do is all add our insight and break the whole thing down between myself, Sam, and Joe. But Joe, I'm going to bounce it over to you. Give me a hot take for this week, man.
2: Eddie Jackson gets a pick and Joe Burrow throws three picks. Really? Yeah, I think I think Eddie Jackson is going to bounce back. I think the Bears are going to create enough pressure on Joe Burrow to get him flustered because he is still, I think he still has a little bit of a uh, shakiness when pressure gets in him after last year. So I think the Bears are going to bring the heat. I think the size is going to adjust very well. And I'm just, I this is more wishful thinking that the Bears' defense is back to normal. But I think. Okay, I won't say three interceptions. I'll say three turnovers. So two. It could be two interceptions and a fumble, but I think Eddie Jackson for sure gets an interception.
1: No, I'm just kidding. That actually isn't. I think. I think the turnovers thing. I definitely agree with. We'll see on Eddie Jackson. I uh, <laughs> Jerry is out with me right now, but I hope you're right. For it, it is a hot, hot take. take. It is a hot. It take. is a hot take. <laughs> you're right, but uh, definitely a spicy start. I'll say that much.
0: Yeah, look, I I mean, I think Eddie Jackson needs a bounce-back game badly, and if you're going to do it against anyone, this is the team to do it against because you're probably not going to do it against the Browns where you have to account for Baker, Mayfield, Jarvis, Landry, David, Njoku, and then Odell Beckham Jr. You could do it against the Lions. Okay, cool. But I think that... For Eddie to shut up all the haters, this is the game to do it against. Now, for Joe Burrow to have three picks, I mean, I think there would really have to be a revitalization of the Bears' secondary, and they would have to completely flip the script, which I'm not going to expect them to completely flip the script, but then also when you look at a secondary that is hungry, that is going to see some decent improvement from week one to week two and hopes to improve as the rest of the season goes on, that you do – have a situation where, Hey, that improvement does take a bit of a jump this week and they picked Joe Burrow off a couple times. I
1: hope they can. This is definitely a bounce back opportunity for the defense. Um, But I got my hopes up last weekend. I'm going to keep my hopes nice and grounded this weekend until I see the bears win. Um, But I am excited. I do think the bears can win this game. I hope the bears can win this game, but uh, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic.
2: I'm the same way. Cautiously optimistic. That was just a hot take. That doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. I just. Oh, that
1: is, I am, I am putting that. Hold up. me to Put, it. Hold me to it. putting that care. to a quote card and I'm posting hold it. Hold me to it.
2: No. Hey, if you're going to post that, you might as well post my Jameis Winston takes as well. Cause that was a <laughs> massive W this weekend. But besides that point and watching Dude. the Packers get mauled, um, Dude, yeah, so I, I think this defense really is a really good chance to bounce back this week, and they definitely need it. It's like I said, wishful thinking. We really need this defense to bounce back before the tough schedule comes up.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And as the tough schedule does come up, we're going to be here breaking the whole thing down for you guys. Look, before we get out of here, follow myself, Joe, and Sam on Twitter at Usaid Koshat, Joseph Herf, NFL, and at Shy Sports Sam. Be sure you're checking out Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Sam's going to be doing a weekly video each week about five to six minutes called Sam Stocks, where he explains stock, which is up and down for certain players. Joe's going to have Herf's hot takes. I'm going to be all over the place, guys, so just creating out articles doing stuff on youtube be sure to check out our boy max smith as well at max smith esm pay our friends audacia sports a visit but good morning good evening and good night wherever you may be have a great rest of your weekend stay safe bear down for those of you that are going into the home opener in the city i would recommend leaving a bit early because it's still construction season in illinois but other than that guys bear down we're gonna get out of here and we'll catch you guys next week peace out bear down
2: bear down